What's up, everybody? This is Pat Flynn with Yellowbird Home Buyers. You're listening to the Yellowbird Connect podcast. We got episode seven with Keith Crockett from Crockett Law. The main reason we started Connect is we were just sick of attending the same seminars um, and hearing a sales pitch all the time at the end. We just wanted to do something different, something that added value. It's just not who we are. It's not what we're doing. It's that we're consistent in doing it. And we're good at converting the leads that come in. So we're putting all that information out there for free, giving everyone that opportunity to do it also. The idea behind it is the more we give, the more we get back. If you all have liked what you've been hearing, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Now let's get into today. How's it going, everybody? This is Pat Flynn with the uh, Yellowbird Connect podcast. We're rolling through episodes at this point. Uh, really looking forward to it today because uh, we got Keith Crockett with us at Crockett Law. Um, where I actually closed my personal house, uh, when was that three and a half, four years ago before I was involved in this at all, still working on drilling rigs. Um, so Keith's been around the block a little bit, uh, done. He does all of our, pretty much all of our closings now does an incredible job for us. Everything done gets done quickly and on time, but we're going to dive into that. Um, Keith, could you just tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you ended up in Jacksonville, how you ended up in the title and, and having your own law office and everything you have now? Absolutely. Uh, initially, thanks again for having me. Uh, great opportunity and very much appreciate that. So yeah, I was uh, originally born and raised in Virginia, a small little peninsula called the Eastern Shore of Virginia. Um, made my way down here about 14, 15 years ago for law school and um, was fortunate enough to get an opportunity in the real estate at that time. Again, a pretty much boom market, but kind of different from the market we're still in. Uh, what year was that? I moved down here. It was the summer of 2003. And again, just started on the law school thing and um, always wanted to get into real estate, but it was so competitive at that time. Um, very hard to get a job and luckily ended up landing one as an internship with uh, one of the bigger title companies in town. And um, just tremendous experience from the standpoint of I got the opportunity to go into the closing room at an age that I probably most people wouldn't uh, be allowed to just because of the volume was so heavy. And so um, got that opportunity, got real comfortable doing closings and um, just seeing that in the environment of, you know, again, seven, 10 deals a day was highly educational at a, at a young age for sure. Yeah, they um, my uh, fiance, Jane, uh actually had not a similar experience as far as law and title, but as far as real estate, she was corner lots real estate agent for the first, for her first, you know, four months. So similar to you, she gained a ton of experience just through sheer volume. I mean, you see so much, you see that much stuff come through. I'm sure you pick up way faster than, you know, if you're only doing a couple closings a month. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about doing a closing and all the loan documents and just the entire process, you can, you can read about it in a book. You can have a, a senior partner explain it to you, but fundamental experience is a, is a whole different ball game. And again, I was forced to learn that, um, extremely early and just, to, just to be able to keep up with that pace was, uh, was fun. So you were in that internship during the boom when things were just going crazy. At what point did you 
after the internship, did you have an actual job with one of them or did you just get out of law school and kind of start your own shop? Sure. So um, the plan was always to stay in private practice. I wanted to stay doing closings. Um, It was really my passion. Unfortunately, just about the time I uh, got my bar license and graduated from law school, the entire real estate market tanked. And um, there wasn't as much of a need, not only in the law firm that I was working at, but just across Jacksonville in general, um, you know, for associate attorneys, for closing attorneys, because everybody was panicking. Um, We were just starting to get into the whole short sale uh, phase, so to speak. And um, it really just like ended. Right. It it was was like one day there's closings like crazy and then it just stopped. hundred percent. It went from 100 miles an hour to nothing overnight. I feel like if people don't I I didn't live through it. I Mm kind of heard it. You know, I was working offshore then, but I I couldn't imagine now like just rolling along. And then all of a sudden it's just it stops. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Crazy. It is. Um so fortunately, um, at that time, I was given an opportunity to work for uh, one of the largest real estate corporations in the world, Fidelity National Financial. Um, and so I took that job, again, market, number of reasons, great opportunity as a young young attorney. So uh, they were a Fortune 500 company, corporate headquarters downtown. And so I went down there for about five years and essentially spent that entire time period cleaning up a lot of the bad title work that occurred during the boom when everything was so fast paced and, you know, liens were missed and legal descriptions were messed up and all these things that interplay into title insurance because they're the largest uh, global title insurance company. Another position where I feel like you'd learn a lot of things really, really quickly. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and again, having that angle to wanting to hopefully one day come back into private practice and seeing, um, for lack of a better phrase, the wrong way to do a real estate transaction. Because, again, I was in title insurance and, and claims and sort of national litigation over those claims. And, I mean, it was beyond educational when, you know, down the road I did have the opportunity to start my own firm. Cool. What year was that? So I started, um, we just completed our sixth year um, of business. So, again, we, we started extremely organic, um, to say the least, because um, I actually did leave corporate America and for a year worked at that same large title company that I had interned with. Um, they had, gave me the opportunity to manage the title company, and I wanted to not just jump back into private practice being in corporate for so long. It was a very nice buffer, um, even though I knew ultimately I wanted to create my own firm. Managing that large sort of volume play again um, made me really hone in on the type of title company we wanted to have as well. I did not want large volume. We wanted personal service. We wanted to know the clients that come into the door and just not sort of feel like you're picking up a file every hour and repeating the same sort of phrase. Um, and, and I was very fortunate to, to get that for sure. That's that's. I just wrote down because I was going to ask you that because I know, you know, you said your background, your first internship, you were doing a ton of volume. And I know that's not what you guys are. Not that you're not doing volume, but that's just not the feel that you get from your office now walking in there. Thank you. So I just wanted to uh, touch. I mean, you already said you already answered the question that you set out to do that. That's by design, not. Um, would you say that's the case? I would say that's the case. Um, it was, it was kind of a scary time point in my life, to be honest with you, because, um, I felt like 
a year into private practice, if I didn't take that jump, if I didn't take that leap, it would never occur. Um, I grew up in a family where my dad was a small business owner. Um, it had always been a passion of mine. And essentially one day I just simply, um, resigned and started my company out of my house with, uh, very little income and uh, hardly any clients. So I love talking about this stuff. And I always, you know, Kyle gets frustrated with them because I, whenever we have someone on, I always pick them apart for like five minutes on this because it's really interesting to me. And I know back when I was working offshore and I used to listen to podcasts and stuff all the time, I always liked listening to what was going on in someone's head when they finally did decide to pull the trigger and do that. Was there one thing or was it, it was just always in your mind and the right opportunity came up or what, what was it? I would say, again, it was a, it was a number of factors. Um, again, not to, not to be cliche or whatnot, but I mean, you know, a lot of people say if you had known how tough it was going to be those first six months or a year, you probably never would have done it. So being naive was, was certainly helpful. Obviously don't regret it. Um, but again, just I, I had a bit of a comfort level, um, which is always nice. And a lot of small business owners or entrepreneurs don't have this luxury. I had a comfort level that if it didn't work out, that I could probably get a job with the corporation I worked with previously or maybe find another job in a, in a title company. But, you know, I just I wanted to give it a shot. And um, we built I, initially it was just me. I had no employees. I had no office space, like I said. And I went to every marketing event, every NEFAR event, every possible thing I could do with the Bar Association. I mean, this was before, I mean, you have to have space and employees and whatnot to get a license to close real estate transactions and have, you know, again, a title insurance license. And um, we were just trying to build enough of a clientele base doing real estate litigation to get office space. And so we, we fortunately did that um, after a I think it took us about six months to um, get enough revenue to get a small little office space in Jacksonville Beach. Um, that was really the catalyst. That kind where of, were you guys in Jack's Beach originally? We we were right next to the bricks, uh, <laughs> <laughs> conveniently for, <Yeah>. happy, <laughs> for happy hour. Uh, right next to the bricks, a small little building there. Um, you know, one of my mentors um, in real estate, uh, Mike McCann, who's also in real estate development, uh, gave me a phenomenal opportunity to come in and, and grow my business with uh, affordable uh, space and a, and a very nice location. Um, and again, that's when we once we got into the space, we transitioned immediately to, all right, so how can we get this license of title insurance? Um, I was familiar with it from, you know, again, my days working as an intern, but also, again, working for a company that's the largest global title insurance you know, agent. I knew the process and, um, you know, we just started working on that. And I would say we were maybe about a year, year and a half in when we got that license. And that's that's when it got serious. That's when we had to go out and um, basically build our roster of realtors we're fortunate enough to work with um, individual by individual to get a chance to close contracts. So originally, I, I remember when I closed my house with you, what is what is the difference between what you had going on in the office then and this new kind of title company push that I've seen from you guys recently? You guys recently sponsored that Real Producers event. And it's I mean, is it separate? Is the title company separate than Crockett Law? 
It is. It is. That's a great question. Um, if you look around town or really across the country with law firms, you'll see this um, sort of bifurcation of two separate companies fairly consistently. So, yes, we have Crockett Law. That's the company we started with, the law firm. Um, and, again, we also do real estate litigation um, which, again, was the, the initially the catalyst there in the front end of the business. Um, but, again, it was, in many ways, it was just a different opportunity because the title company is not as regulated in terms of the Florida bar to the level that a law firm is. So you can do certain things with marketing. Um, you can do certain things with advertising that are not as um, rule-driven as the, the ethical rules that govern attorneys. So that was, you know, one of the, one of the things as well. But, um you know, we just started working with different groups of people and different investors. And, um, you know, it just it kind of gave us a different brand also above and beyond the law side. Um, and, and now we've sort of sort of rearranged some of our clients appropriately um, based on sort of that that split. Cool. Yeah. At, at what point do you think I mean, what's the goal right now? I know you I know you're not going to you, you want up that personal touch on everything. But at at the same time, the more volume means the more profit, right? Sure. So, what, sure. how do you balance that, and what's the goal? I mean, could you could you still keep that personal touch and still slowly creep your volume? Like, what are you trying to do now? So, the number that's a great question. The number one thing that we try to focus on, um, not only myself, but you know, Leanne Shen, who's my closing coordinator, who you know is my partner. She's great, by the way. A little plug for Leanne. <laughs> we, she works with us on every single house we close, and we we do a lot with them. And she's a very on the ball. That's what I mean. That's what you need over there. Is a great processor. It's half the battle. I feel like absolutely. I mean, she she's amazing. Does an incredible job you know, the biggest part of our company for sure. Um, can't thank her enough. She's obviously, uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm sorry. Well, I forgot, lost track of the question. When you like right now, I know we, oh, okay. we met, right. we met, uh, not that we met, but we met again, met with you and one of your partners when we were looking to move some of our closing somewhere else. How what how much of your day is is those meetings trying to get more business in and you know at what point do you almost have too much do you need more attorneys like what what's the what's the five year goal for that I would say Leanne and I spend a lot of our time as we're really the ones that do the predominantly the amount of work I obviously have other great employees as well. We try to figure out what is that per file a month number to where the service doesn't you know go in the wrong direction. So these are conversations you have all the time. Okay. All the time. Because ever since day one, I've tracked, um, number of deals closed price point, all a a number of different metrics. And, you know, it's very fluid with her and I, because, you know, this conversation is also contingent on what types of deals are you closing? Are you doing, cause, cause title insurance, real estate commission, sales in general, it's a numbers driven game. So obviously, because title insurance ties into promulgated rates that also tie into purchase price, I would rather close 10 $1 million deals than 25 $150,000 deals. Um, it's more efficient, obviously more profit. Um, it's easier to do that without you know, the resources that some of the big title companies um, have. Obviously, we have yearly goals to grow revenue. I mean, every company does. We've been pretty fortunate to be able to do that um, every year we've been in business. But 
um, there's certainly a stop point and, you know, is it something where if we got above that, would I consider expanding? If it's the right fit, sure. Um, but I don't want to get on the path to this, this volume driven right. model. And, you know, again, it's, it's nice to have a true small business. I think a lot of people say they're a small business. Um, but you know, we only have four individuals and, you know, I don't there's really, there's four of you in that office. There's four of us. It's myself, uh, Leanne, associate attorney, Hunter Reed, uh, you know, as well. And, um, Joyce, who also does a tremendous job with a number of different roles from legal assistant to admin to receptionist to, you know, she's almost, uh, well, she is helping Leanne process now a little bit right. too, in terms of payoffs and estoppels and these sort of things that, you know, you can sort of learn to do and has caught on pretty quickly. Um, and if you talk to a lot of people that run law firms or run title companies, overhead, like a lot of things, is a, is a huge killer. Is it? Um, you know, the number of offices you have, having, you know, four or five closing coordinators, having three attorneys, um, you have to have a tremendous amount of volume to be profitable. And you definitely lose touch when you get oh. more attorneys and new processors. It, I know some of the bigger ones we've been forced to work to in town is just like you talk to a different person each time and some of them are good and some of them aren't good. That's You definitely <laughs> lose the personal touch that way. I think uh, the consistency is kind of what you're talking about there, right? I think people mm-hmm. really love the comfort level of always seeing myself or Hunter at the closing table and always dealing with Leanne. You're right. I know I do. It's it's a rotation system. And again, I'm, let me be clear here. Some of the big firms around town who are in, in my business, they do a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a different model. And my personal experience, my personal opinion was – you know, when I would do five or six closings in one day, every single day, it became mundane. It became, you know, I didn't have the same passion for it that I did, um, you know, in, in the model we have right now. So I didn't think about before when I was asking you, I didn't think about something you brought up that um, that the type of volume you're doing is is a lot different, too. So if you're closing a million dollar house with two agents involved and you have sellers that kind of know sellers and buyers that know what you're, they're doing involved. It's, it's a lot different than, uh, like some of the ones you close for us or it's a $20,000 house in three, two, two Oh nine. And it's a quick cash deal and I'm the buyer and there's no agents and you just deal with the seller. And it's, I mean, that probably doesn't take nearly the work. That's something like, uh, you know, a high end house, would take that's another one of those metrics again we were talking about you're right this it's a number of pieces in this puzzle cash transactions you know again like a lot of the deals we work on with you they're pretty clean you know i mean we can process them efficiently um you guys no financing involved no financing again that's that's the key i mean you can really control the process from my end because you know we get a title search back it's three to five days we can rush it and get it a lot quicker Um, as we all know. And if there is no um, financing involved, I'm not waiting for a lender, the title commitment, final underwriting, all that type of stuff we all know about. We can really control the process and in most cases close any transaction. And I mean, sometimes a handful of days a week, you know, it depends, obviously, uh, deal by deal. But, you know, you can you can do a lot more business. And sometimes title doesn't have to be, you know, if I'm comfortable with taking some sort of cloud on, I mean, you can close it anyway, right? Absolutely. As long as I know it's there and everyone feels comfortable with it and you just. Correct. And again, probably warrants a little discussion. So that a lot of people get confused about what is the product we actually do sell, right? Mm -hmm. And it is real estate title insurance. So for an owner, you know, we issue an owner's policy of title insurance that insures their title. 
for a lender, all institutional lenders require loan policies to insure their mortgage. Um, but to answer your question, so, so that, you get money off that too. Do you guys make money off the, the loan policy as well? We do. So, um, it's not a double premium though. So again, the, the promulgated rates set by the legislature, they have premiums that tie into purchase price and you pay one big premium. But if you simultaneously issue a loan policy with an owner's policy, there's a term called simultaneous issue. And that's generally a flat fee from anywhere from 50 to $250. Um, firms have flexibility as to what they w- want to charge there. So you pay a minor flat fee, which shows you as well how um, how much of a no-brainer it is. For example, if your lender is going to require a title insurance policy and you'd have to pay that big premium, why you wouldn't want to pay a couple hundred dollars to get, let's say it was a $250,000 home, to get that much coverage mm-hmm. is nonsensical. Um, and you, you never really see that, obviously. Um, but... That, that's the product we sell, and I think um, people lose that sort of in the translation yeah. of the real estate process because a lot of times when people call and they want fee quotes, they don't understand. You know, They think it's an hourly rate or they think it's this and that. The only two ways um, real estate firms or title companies make profit in a closing are the settlement fee and the title insurance. So, um, again, everybody has these large national underwriters that back these policies Fidelity National Financial, like I used to work with, we now write with Old Republic National Title Insurance Company. Um, most people have a, a split where the agent or the title company keeps 70% of all the premium money, and then the big national underwriter uh, keeps 30%. So that's sort of how that, that money money train kind of goes. Got it. So we got pretty high level right there. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, pretty in the weeds. I'm going to bring us back a little bit. Um, and, and go back to one of the main reasons I had you in too, Keith, is because I, um, I foresee people listening to this who are either doing a couple flips a month and looking to ramp up or, uh, buying some rentals or trying to get into vest investing just as a whole and leave their old job and buy rentals and flip full time. And I wanted to bring you in just to ensure with everybody how crucial it is to have someone like you on their team. I mean, it's really important. If I, you, you said, you mentioned some of the other big title companies in town, like a, just Hillcrest and Landmark, great title companies, but someone for someone like me, they're not a good fit. You know what I mean? Just like we're not a good fit for everyone. A big title company that's got several attorneys and they do high end clo- higher end closings in volume. It's just not a fit for someone like me, who's an investor that needs stuff done, that when I send Leanne something, sometimes I need a title back in 24 hours. They're not going to do that for me. So building your team with, with someone like you, that's investor friendly, that will work with me when I need stuff done very quickly. That is a crucial part of our business here. And I do thank you for everything you've done for us so far. Very so, welcome. I thank you guys as well. You guys have been huge for our title company and, um, one of our one of our big big important clients for sure. So if you're in Jacksonville and you're you're going to be buying a house, um, in case you haven't done any research on how title works at all or anything yet, I I know when I was first starting, I knew you needed clear title on a house, but. I didn't really understand what that sentence mean meant. <laughs> it just said I, it meant absolutely nothing to me. So if someone's buying a house, 
um, straight from a seller. They've been starting, they started their postcards. They're trying to wholesale or they're trying to buy a couple rentals. Um, they got a house under contract and they want to use you because I use you and you guys do a good job. What, what should they do? Sure. Um, I think the first part would be just to reach out to the firm. I'm happy to speak with anyone at at any time, as I think you can attest to, one of the other things that we try to offer and be really good on is communication, quick communication, quick responses. Um, so if you call my firm tomorrow, I will be available. I'm not one of these attorneys that's always in a conference call or in a meeting or, you know, stuff like that. Um, I always like to have a front end conversation again, make sure we're the right fit, explain to people how we do business in a more uh, detailed, intimate level. Um, but from at that point, I, th- I think, We've, we've developed most of our relationships by that call in where we get the first contract, we have an opportunity, and then um, they like the way we do business. Um, but it is critical. I think we can offer a lot of value to investors, people who are trying to do flips and whatnot, because you're going to run into title issues. You're going to run into probate issues. A hundred percent. You're going to run into things. That they're, they're not generally um, the cleanest title, we'll say, in, in some cases. So, um, I think I think getting it into the notion as well of you know not really getting into hourly rate work and all this type of stuff. Understanding it's a long term relationship. Um, we're going to work together for a long time, and there's going to be certain things on the legal side that I'm going to have to do to clean clean this title up and you know get these files to the table. I think that's extremely important um, for the investors as well that don't understand the value of title insurance because I understand as well as anybody on the front end of starting business, you're trying to cut costs, you're trying to find ways to to cut corners. Um, I would never personally buy any real estate without a title insurance policy. Um, I always say with title insurance for the lower end properties, the premium's too cheap not to buy it. And for the higher end properties, it's too much of an investment not, not to as well. Um, but and you think about it this way with title insurance, it's, it's commonly confused. This isn't like auto or these other forms of insurance where you're paying monthly premiums. You pay a premium at closing. And as an owner, that ensures your title the entire time you own the parcel. And again, there's a number of insurance provisions. Again, liens, access, um, lack of legal access, legal description problems. Uh, and, and if you have one of these issues on your property and you do not have a title policy, in most cases, the retainer that you're going to have to pay a real estate lawyer to fix that issue could be double the premium for the policy. Right. And they part of the insurance provisions is if they pick that up, if they pick that claim up, they will, in many cases, hire an attorney, the title company, the large national underwriter. They'll hire an attorney on their dime to represent you and fix that issue. So that's extreme value especially when you run into the case where you have a, a kind of a major issue. That's that just goes into something we talked about a couple of days ago too with Melissa Morrow was same with staging. I feel like title insurance is the same thing. You try to cut costs with stuff like staging, you try to cut costs with stuff like title insurance, it's going to bite you. It's just it's just the wrong thing. It's short-term thinking to try to save 1000 bucks, 1500 bucks just to just to save that money and not not protect yourself. So that's hugely valuable information. And you think about it this way as well. Um, in a certain context, like in a cash transaction, certainly you as a as a buyer, you have an option. If the seller you know doesn't want to pay for it, you don't have to buy a title insurance policy. That's absolutely true. 
Um, is it rare to see that for sure? But um, it's such a liability, and the chance of having an issue is so great that from a liability stance from my firm, we almost have to walk away from those transactions because we have to write disclaimers all over your deed that it was done without the benefit of a title search that, you know, if you do have a large mechanics lien or a prior mortgage that you're not going to, you know, sue us for negligence or something of that nature. So it's almost to where we, we have to unfortunately kind of walk away from a lot of those. Cool. So I want to shift one more time because I like talking about the, the business side of things too. You started just out of your house, you said, right? And it was just you. Where Was Leanne your first hire? Uh, she wasn't. Um, the first closing coordinator I had, um, again, right when we got the first office space, um, she was That was your first hire? First hire. Yep. She was one of four before I was fortunate enough to find Leanne, who was a game changer across the board. Um, but also my associate Hunter Reed came aboard almost at that same time. He was in law school, um, started working with me very young as well. So he's kind of been there throughout the full development um, of the business. But um, yeah, I would say that's traditionally the closing coordinator is obviously the number one hire once you start doing um, transactions. But there was a period of time when I first had the license where I did all the roles, um, I answered the phone, I processed the files, um, I did everything, ran the business. So, um, it got to a point clearly where, you know, I mean, I'd have a bookkeeper initially, the, even at the beginning. So, so I had to start outsourcing some of this and bringing in help. Otherwise you can't grow. Right. So, so what, uh, what advice would you give for someone that's looking for their, for their Leanne to not have it take four times for them? Sure. Um, my personal advice would to understand to admit initially to understand that it's very difficult to train someone without experience, even though you might have experience as well. I think finding someone who has experience is the number one criteria, but it's not that simple either. I've had previous people who had experience. You have to find someone that's, that's tremendous with people that knows how to manage personalities that you know, sometimes we don't always get the most pleasant people on a daily basis and, you know, just how to sort of massage that and keep everybody calm because, you know, you're the, you're the middle ground for, for all points of contact, lender, mm -hmm. realtor, seller, buyer. And so a lot of times they look to you to smooth things out. So again, I would say those are the two most important factors, experience and just the ability to work with people. For example, when when I found Leanne, uh, and she had been in the industry at that time for you know somewhere around. Was she working somewhere else? She she had just moved here. Correct. She she initially started in the Pittsburgh market, so she had about I think fifteen years experience even before I got her. So she was very young when she started. Um, then she went to the South Florida market um, during the boom years, and even after was working for a large title company, and then relocated here to Jacksonville. Um, I was just fortunate enough to um, have a mutual friend, and I was the first one to interview her, um, even though she obviously probably could have definitely could have gotten a job anywhere in town. And so when I realized during the interview um, the level of experience and just how she was with people, um, I jumped on it and basically told her, I'm not letting you walk out of this door until you say yes. Mm -hmm. And um, and that was that was a critical, critical juncture for the company. I agree with exactly what you're saying as far as someone in a position like that in a processing position that really needs to hold stuff together it's 
experience is, is crucial. I know, I know just from our experience, we, we made, we made one hire and on the marketing side of things, she was awesome, but just didn't have a ton of experience, enough experience to hold everything together and really drive it forward. And then we were forced to steal Cody from, from somewhere else. So now we have Cody who has a ton of experience and it's a game changer. And I didn't realize that at first. I, I thought that anyone could kind of be brought up to speed. You can bring someone up to speed, but you can't train that experience. They need to learn it somewhere else. They need to be self-drivers first. I think so. sometimes um, when you're in that position and you think you can train, right? Right. You don't realize in some cases how much is in your head or how much is just repetition or instinct because you've been doing something for so long. And until you actually have to sit down and kind of break break into the minutiae uh, and you're like, wow, this is a lot of information for some for somebody new to kind of pick up on. That's exactly right. And I I don't blame the girl we hired first. I don't blame her at all. I blame myself for thinking she could pick the wad of crap I've thrown on her was the same wad of crap we've thrown on Cody. But Cody can can handle it better. You know what I mean? She's been through it before, and it's a lot. But, right? I mean, it's a lot, right, Cody? <laughs> 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 She's got Post-its everywhere, like notebooks overflowing. But, uh, that's yeah, that's a huge difference is the experience. The, la- the last thing I really wanted to touch on with you, and I know we talked about it right before we went on this, was – you were involved in a lot of title stuff and or during the market boom, and you saw all the screw-ups and things that were going wrong when you were in the, not like an auditor, but you were doing title insurance claims and stuff. So you saw a lot of what went wrong. Um, you know, a lot of people say we're, you know, we've, we've been in a bull real estate market for, you know, 10, it's 2019 now. So going on 11 years now, um, People are saying that it's not going to go to what it did in 2008 because that only happens every 60 or 80 years or so. We just we're going to go through some sort of recession, though. Do you? What are you seeing is similar and not similar to what happened in 08, and how do you see the next five years unfolding? Um, okay, so I think number one, people have to remember the major difference in the types of financial instruments we're talking about. Uh, the shenanigans that were going on in the prior cycle with, you know, things being AAA rated, um, no doc, no asset loans. Um, you know, you could basically have a pulse and get half a million dollars back in those days. Um, and just remember how every, at least my experience, and I think that's consistent across the country. When I was um, at the intern and doing closings for the first time, every single promissory note, for the most part, that I would see at the closing table was interest only adjustable rate promissory notes. And you know, you'd have no no money in the game, no skin in the game, no down payment, and it was just a, a vehicle designed to make money off interest or the ascending market and then flip it in some cases a couple months later. I think as the current sort of um, market has expanded and grown pretty successfully, most of the financial interests that I saw were fixed rate. And again, you had to put a lot more money into the game. So I think that's a huge difference, especially in terms of if we do ever, you know, when there is some sort of a correction or downturn or whatnot, I think people will be less inclined to immediately walk away and think short sale and stuff like that when, um, you know, they, they have a little more money into, in the process. 
Um, but again, I, I, literally every single closing that I recall doing during that time period were those interest rate, interest only um, adjustable rate promissory notes. And um, I think when you start seeing them come come back on a daily basis, it's time to kind of run for the hills. But um, outside of that, I, I think that's one of the one of the big differences. Um, you know, where it's going to go in five years, million dollar question, right? And everybody wants to know that. Um, we certainly have had a number of years of, you know, success, success in real estate. Um, I think at some point, again, with you're seeing what's going on with interest rates, at some point, you know, it has to cool off in terms of shifting to a buyer's market and all that type of stuff you hear. But, um, you know, it's, it's unpredictable and it, and it ties into so many different economic and financial factors beyond real estate and um, that it's just kind of a, a hard thing to predict. Absolutely. You know? Just from my perspective anyway, it's, you know, like you said, really hard to predict. For, for us anyway, it has slowed since, since the spring. The spring was kind of out of control for stuff. You put something on the market for 150 grand anywhere in the city, and it was gone in a weekend with six offers. So it slowed from that, but uh, you know, I, I still see steady growth and things still moving. I'm sure there'll be an adjustment because there has to be, but no one knows when or quite when that's going to come. I would agree with the growth as well. I mean, it's been it's been consistent from our angle and um, you know, I'm very very excited about 2019 and um, you know, hopefully we just keep the positive momentum going. So, um agents or investors listening to this, um you you say if they do plan on closing something with you or want to try, you know, something different if you already have your title company and try someone else, you say they just call your office is yeah, the best way absolutely. to get it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just call, reach out to me. Um again, the vast majority, if not all of our clients, started that way with just one contract. Um, you know, a lot of real estate agents, real estate professionals, brokers, they work with a number of different companies. And, you know, we're happy just to have an opportunity, get in that rotation, so to speak. And again, just just have a chance. And that's all you can really ever ask for in business. Then it's on us to, to do the job. But absolutely. Um, just just tell Joyce that, uh, you know, you heard the podcast or <laughs> uh, or whatnot. And um, I'll be happy to speak with anybody and, awesome. and talk it out. So I know just one more plug by me. Once again, they close. We we do a lot of volume and Keith does a lot of volume for us and everything goes really smooth. So um, I definitely have nothing but great things to say about you guys. It's been a breath of fresh air for us. And I really, really appreciate that. Um, other than that, I just appreciate you coming in. I know you're super busy. Um, so thanks for everything. Thanks for taking us through moving down here, law school, starting your own, deciding to start in your own firm, your first employee and how you guys are now growing. And, uh, just that, um, that personal touch that you guys keep and you do have it now. You definitely do. I work with Leanne on a daily basis and it's awesome. And whenever I text you, it's immediate responses. So, um, Keep up the great work, and we love working with you guys, and I really appreciate you coming on show for us. Thanks, Pat. I really appreciate the opportunity. It was fun. Awesome. So thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe um, to the podcast. And if you have any more questions for Keith or any, any information about his law firm and how to get in touch with them is all going to be in the show notes. So um, all his info will be right there if you have any more questions. Um, maybe do, we'll do another one in the Keith in a year from now or so. Thanks for listening.